Welcome to Urban Dharma, the podcast, where suffering is optional. Hi, this is Reverend Kusla coming to you from downtown Los Angeles, from the International Buddhist Meditation Center in the heart of Koreatown. It's a warm and sunny day in Los Angeles, and what you're about to hear is a talk I gave on May 10th at Chadwick School in Palos Verdes, California to a comparative religions class. Uh, the teacher, Terry Andrews, emailed me some of the questions the students had, and I uh, took those questions with me and uh, encouraged some live questions as well. So what you're about to hear is a question and answer um, session at Chadwick School in Palos Verdes, California. Okay, well, really good questions. And uh, so I'm going to start with the longest answer, the sh- one of the shortest questions in the longest answer. And so I was doing my research last night. And this came from uh, uh, the 1105 class, number one. Anybody here from 1105, number one? Okay. Uh, is there a creation myth in Buddhism? According to Buddhism, how did the world come into being? So anybody think there's a creation myth in Buddhism? After all your reading and stuff? Yeah, it really seems like there isn't one. Uh, but as it turns out, there is one. And it's found in the Diganakaya. And I'm going to leave this with you so you can have your very own copy of the Buddhist creation myth. So this is the uh, uh, Agana Sutta, the knowledge of beings. And it's also in the Diganakaya, the, the long discourses. In, in Buddhism, we have, we have something called the Tapitaka. The Tapitaka is the three baskets. And... Um, the second basket are the sutras, and in the sutras they are uh, classified as long discourses, middle-length discourses. So we have the Diganakaya, the Majjhimanakaya, the Anguttaranakaya, which are the numbered discourses. This is found in uh, number 27 of the long discourses. And, and so somebody was asking the Buddha about, well, how did this thing all start, you know? And in Buddhism there's always a moral aspect to it. It, it's never just totally philosophical, though it seems like it sometimes, but there's, there's always a moral thing happening. So I'm just going to read some of this, but, I, but for me this was really fascinating, because um, um, when I first became aware of creation myths, um, I, I was looking at it in a, just a really sort of relative, practical way, that this is how the world started. Uh, but then as I started to meditate and study Buddhism some more, to me, and I'm going to qualify it, to me, it seems, the creation myths we have in most every religion in the world is not talking about how the world started. To me, the creation myths are talking about how our self-consciousness started. When, when did we have the ability to be self-reflective? When did self arise? Because we're the only creature in the whole world that has the ability to be self-reflective. We have a self, we have an ego, which can be a good thing and it can be a bad thing. So when I look at the creation myths, I'm seeing this is when the ego started to come out of the subconsciousness. And, And who was that first person? And it really must have been a trip to wake up in that way. Because now you're the only one that's awake and everybody else is still sleeping, you know? And so you can look in the water and see your face. And other people just look in the water and see water. 
And then you can see your hand. And you realize your hand is separate. And you can start to use it in ways the other people couldn't because they can't see the separateness of the hand. Now, to take it another step, we could say, well, we can watch the creation myth in every human being that's born. We can see the evolution of human consciousness in every baby. And so when they're first born, they're just totally dependent. The universe is them. They're the universe. And eventually they start to recognize mom. And then they start to recognize the fact they have hands and feet. And then they actually start to talk, you know, and have words and concepts that apply to unrelated things in the world. Like the word chair, the sound chair, has absolutely nothing to do with a chair, does it? It's just we have been taught that that sound represents that form. But in reality, they have no true connection. So now we sort of become abstract, and now we're able to name things. And once we're able to name them, we can use them to the good or bad, you know. Uh, and, and it's just, for me, it was fascinating to go in this direction. So after doing some reading in Buddhism, I always said, no, no, there's no creation myth. The Buddha never talked about it. But then I'm looking at Diga Nikaya number 27. I'm going, son of a gun, we have one too, you know. But it wasn't, it wasn't an original creation myth. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure it was borrowed from Brahmanism or Hinduism because the Buddha was a Hindu until he died, just like Christ was a Jew until he died. So he didn't create a new myth. He just used the old one. So here we go. Uh, there comes a time, Vasetta, who he's speaking to, when sooner or later, after a long period, this world contracts. So we're talking about expansion, contraction, which may parallel some of our understanding in, in astronomy, you know, and how the universe expands and contracts. At the time of contraction, beings are mostly born in the Abhasa Brahma world. And there they dwell, mind-made, feeding, feeding on delight, self-luminous, moving through the air, glorious. And they stay like that for a very long time. But sooner or later, after a long period, this world begins to expand again. At a time of expansion, the beings in the Brahma world, having passed away from there, are mostly reborn in this world. Here they dwell, mind-made, feeding on delight, self-luminous, moving through the air, glorious. And they stay like that for a very, very long time. So they don't have their bodies yet. They're just this radiant consciousness. And they're feeding on happiness and bliss. That's their food. Wouldn't it be great to just sustain yourself on happiness and bliss? Imagine going to McDonald's and having a side order of happiness. You know? <laughs> At that period, there was just one mass of water, and all was darkness, blinding darkness. Neither moon nor sun appeared, nor constellation or stars appeared. Night and day were not yet distinguished, nor months and fortnights, nor years and seasons. There was no male and female, beings being reckoned just as beings. So there wasn't any distinction yet. That, that dualistic interpretation of the world that the ego gives us hadn't arisen yet. 
And sooner or later, after a very long period of time, savory earth spread itself over the waters where those beings were. It looked just like the skin that forms itself over a hot milk as it cools. It was endowed with color, smell, and taste. It was the color of fine ghee or butter. And it was very sweet, just like pure wild honey. Then some being of a greedy nature said, now see, this is where the moral aspect of Buddhism comes in. What are the, what are the three poisons in Buddhism? Greed, hatred, and delusion. This greedy being with a greedy nature said, I say, what can this be? And tasted the savory earth on its finger. In so doing, it became taken with the flavor and craving, and it arose. Now, doesn't that sound sort of like Eve eating the apple? Don't eat the apple. So this guy puts his finger in the, the ghee-like earth and tastes it and says, Wow, that is so cool. They too were taken with the flavor, and craving arose in all of them. So they set out to, with their hands, breaking up pieces of this stuff in order to eat it. And as a result, their self-luminous disappeared. And as, and, and as a result of the disappearance of their self-luminous, the moon and the sun appeared. Night and day were distinguished. Months and fortnights appeared. And the year and its seasons to that extent, the world re-evolved. So here we go. You see that connection in there? And those being continued for a long time, feasting on the savory earth, feeding on it and being nourished by it. And as they did so, their bodies became coarser and a difference in looks developed among them. Some beings became good-looking while others became ugly. And the good-looking ones were despised by the others, saying, we are better looking than they are. And because they became arrogant and conceited about their looks, the savory earth disappeared. And at this time came together, they came together and lamented, crying, Oh, that flavor! Oh, that flavor! And so nowadays when people say, Oh, that flavor! When they get something nice, they are repeating an ancient saying without realizing it. Mm. And then when the savory earth disappeared and a fungus cropped up in the manner of a mushroom. It was of good color, smell, and taste. It was the color of fine ghee or butter, and it was very sweet like pure wild honey. And those being set to and ate the fungus. And this lasted for a very long time, and as they continued to feed on the fungus, so their bodies became coarser still, and the difference in their looks increased still more, and the good-looking ones despised the others. And because they became arrogant and conceited about their looks, the sweet fungus disappeared. Next, creepers appeared, shooting up like bamboo. And they, too, were very sweet, like pure wild honey. And those being set to and fed on those creepers. And as they did so, their bodies became <clears throat> even coarser. And the difference in their looks increased still more. And they became more arrogant. And so the creepers disappeared, too. At this, they came together and lamented, crying, Alas, our creepers are gone. What have we lost? And so now today, when, when people, one being asked why they are upset, they might say, Oh, what have we lost? And they are repeating an ancient saying, 
without realizing it. And then after the creepers disappeared, rice appeared in open spaces, free from powder and from husks, fragrant and clean grain. And what they say had taken in the evening for supper and had grown again and was ripe in the morning, and what they had taken in the morning for breakfast and was ripe again in the evening, with no sign of reaping. And these being set to and fed on this rice, and this lasted for a very long time. And as they did so, their bodies became coarser still, and the difference in their looks became even greater. And the female